Welcome to The Growth Show with Matt Lindsay, where we discuss growth strategies both for business and a personal perspective, discussing all kinds of businesses, growth strategies, technology, investment strategy, and much more. We are meeting with entrepreneurs, investors, app developers, and property developers. Our vision is to help 10,000 business owners grow their businesses. Introducing our host, Matt Lindsay. Matt is a former banker and corporate financier. He now spends his time building his own companies organically and through acquisition, as well as raising capital for other businesses. Matt works with a wide variety of entrepreneurs and investors. Welcome along, Mr. Shaq Baker. Um, welcome to Matt Lenzi's The Growth Show. We're here today. It's early January. It's gloomy. We're in fucking lockdown. We can't leave the house. Shit, man. <laughs> what are we going to do? We're here, man. We're, we're, we're going to do what we can do. And um, thank you for having me. I just wanted to say. Pleasure, pleasure. Nice that we can swear. I heard the swear, so I've been giving my cue. Um, I'm look, it is it is very it's a gloomy day today, and um, and on top of that, if it wasn't lockdown, it's also January. Now sometimes people are a bit down in January because they've come off such a a, a high off of Christmas and New Year's. But um, I think one thing that lockdowns kind of shown us is that the time is the time, and what we choose to do with it will be kind of what helps us get to the next level or helps us get through it. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, cool. So in, in, in terms of our relationship, um, yeah. we, we met pr- probably about a year ago. Is that right? It was literally it was literally one year ago. So yeah. next week um, I've got pin. Yeah. And I met, you at the first, I met you at the first pin. I knew of you before that because Tim talks about you. Yeah. He told me about you, but I met you at that pin. Yeah. Okay, and, and yeah, so Shaq runs the Watford Pin Network, mm-hmm. um, and I, I went along with a mutual acquaintance of our Tim, of ours, Tim Valdar, who runs a business called Mass Reports, um, and one of the speakers had dropped out, and uh, Shaq asked me to do a bit of a presentation on one of the property transactions that I'd recently completed. So, yeah, an impromptu uh, overview there. <laughs> on the spot, I was so impressed, literally, that <laughs> um, like, yeah, one of our guys had dropped out and um, what we do is we like to get local investors to talk about local stuff. Yeah. Because I think sometimes when we, when you have guests and people talk about stuff, there's, there's sometimes it might be slightly, it feels sort of um, a bit far removed for some people. Oh, I could never do that. So a local investor kind of has another level of, of impact. And so I asked, you know, obviously I knew about you from Tim and I started speaking to you and, and and I was so impressed. I said, "Well, that sounds good. You know, would you be would you be prepared to talk about that?" He's like, "Yeah, of course." And you went up there and you nailed it. Said, oh, this guy's serious. This guy's serious. And that was literally last January. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because one of my one of my personal biggest fears is has been public speaking for some time, and uh, basically I I just had to you know push myself through that and and go and engage and. 
yeah, I still I still get those butterflies at the beginning, but then you know you you deal with it and you, you get into your rhythm and you flow a little bit more. So that was that was powerful because obviously, like I said, I'd never it's the first time meeting you. It was quite yeah. cheeky for me to ox, but but I felt if you could do what you've told me, if you could do that in the, for the room, yeah, they would get massive value from it. And literally, you you killed it. You was like the the best speaker on the day. Thank you very much. I'll take my accolades and uh, wear them proudly. Yeah, no. <laughs> Good. So, yeah, we, we met then and we're, we're, we're working on a couple of projects together, uh, bits and pieces that we've, we've got going on. And we'll come on to that a little bit later on. Um, but, yeah, so first I just really wanted to talk about, you know, I, I can see one of your plaques in the background. Um, yeah. we, we've talked about this briefly before. As yeah. you know, I've got a bit of a connection with the music industry. My brother's a musician. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that you've got some history in that. So it'd be, I think it'd be really useful for our uh, viewers, stroke listeners, if you could just take us through a bit of your journey and maybe I'll interject with a few questions if I think there's anything I'd like to like to talk about. So, yeah, yeah. So, so you, obviously you've had, in my, my, from my perspective, you've had two successful careers in terms of as a musician and then now your property developer, investor, and you also do 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 the pin network as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you could start from the beginning and kind of take us through your journey and some of the things that you've done, that'd be really, really interesting. So, uh, I mean, I always, as a person, I always wanted to be, I'm naturally a creative person. So I was always going to be in the arts, whether it was music, um, there's some sort of design, like just anything you could create. So I think that's why... It, I fell into music and, and film and, and fashion quite easily because it gives you an opportunity to create. I'm just a creator. So I I think when I was maybe 18, 17, 18, I'd done like work experience in like in recording studios in London. That's when like recording studios were a thing. Everything yeah. is obviously technology's made it so home recording is 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 pretty it's not only is it affordable, it's 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 accessible. We're talking like 20 years ago it was like you had to go to sort of mainstream studios and and that was before things when were analog now everything's sort of digital now so, I, 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 rem I remember those days we had yeah. a one of the emu samplers from back in the day my dad exactly. yeah dad yeah. bought it for us for christmas and i i never got to grips with it and that was where yeah. the beginning of my brother kind of brother, learned exactly. yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. was us like we had access to certain little bits of equipment so we was ran with it and um, my family's quite musical, like my, um, my, in terms of like my actual brothers, the one beneath me is a drummer. Okay. He also raps, the other one, the one underneath him, he can make music, he raps, the one underneath him is a DJ. So it just came very, very easy to us. And mm -hmm. so in my head, I was always like, I'm going to do music. That's, that's what I'm going to do. That, um, we're talking before social media, before YouTube. So it wasn't as easy then, you know, marketing and distributing music was, was everything was physical, you know, with CDs and vinyl. So it's a completely different game. And um, that, but that was my start. And I think because it was, I was always very independent minded and I was always sort of, always had a business brain for a creative person. They don't always, it's not, it's not standard. So yeah. I always knew that if I'm going to do this stuff, it's gonna, I have to do the work myself. So I've always been um, well-versed in working very hard. So everything we'd ever really done came from um, from a lot of application. 
So um, yeah, I started off doing music. Uh, I um, I remember back in the days was a uh, one of the first sort of Brit UK urban platforms was Channel U, and I put a, I put a video on there, and it just blew up. And that made me think, actually, I could I could potentially do this, but there was no income from it. So it wasn't, it was challenging to be able to, well, how do you make money? You know, are you going to do shows? There weren't really accessible shows for Urban Acts in those times. Um, there was no streams. So it really was a market where it was literally CDs or, you know, if you, you weren't getting onto telly, um, net radio was 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 a whole different challenge. So that's kind of how I started, but I always sort of did it. And then one of my friends, he had a record deal with um, with Sony. Okay. So sort of hanging out and working with him, I started touring. So we'd done um, like Glastonbury, Leeds and Reading Festival. When that opened up my eyes to the live side of things, and um, yeah, I love music. I, I always wanted to do it. I just felt that it was something that was was it was challenging because of the type of music we was making and just because of the market at the time. Um, I then started doing. I fell into film. I started doing film extra work. Okay. And um, but it, there was I was doing them consecutively. So I started doing film extra work and um, randomly I was. Uh, I think the first film I ever done was. A uh, film called Wimbledon with Paul Bettany. Okay. So now he's he's quite well known now. He plays Vision from Marvel. Um, yeah. But this was like in 2002, maybe. And uh, it was the first one I'd done. And then after that, I went on to do, I was in Batman Begins. I was in Batman The Dark Knight. Um, I did loads of things like that. But off the back of that, it was good because I got quite a lot of the work. Um, it was background and feature work. And off the back of that, I decided to go and, and get training to become an actor and started doing um so I could do actual you know more work I could do dialogue I could do all that stuff but at the same time it I felt like I was in a similar situation because it was like as an as a as a black British actor it just felt like there wasn't a lot of opportunities mm. there's not lots of we're talking like maybe 2004 2003 mm. 2005 there wasn't lots of, there was no Netflix, there was no YouTube. So in terms of opportunities, you know, there wasn't a lot of films at mm. the time. Um, so again, these are the industries I wanted to work in, but I thought like opportunities were quite were limited. Mm. Um, I still, I kept pressing on. So I think with the, with the clothing stuff, the fashion, it made, it was, I felt like that was business. And yeah. I felt like music was cool, but it wasn't, business you couldn't just wake up and decide i'm gonna hustle 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 and get something from it so the clothing we was um me and my partner at the time dre we was able to maintain a brand so we got an income from that and it allowed us to be creative and um and make money make impact um do lots of things we were able to get the clothes into um different stores we had um at one stage we had um when ASOS started opening up their brand, because originally they used to just be very singular, they started doing other brands. We had the fastest selling streetwear brand on the platform at the time. Really? I, d I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That was like 2008. What, um, what was it called? We had two brands. So the first one was called Dirty Denim. Okay. And the second one was called Justin Hustling. So we started doing um, 
we we because with the dirty dental was like cut and sewn and right. we were really very very hands-on we decided to start doing um sort of more printed stuff on classics like t-shirts um hoodies um we've gone to like maybe we had one or two jackets hats and stuff like that and that was sort of at a time when the uk streetwear market was 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 small but it was there was a lot of cool things happening so brands like Trapstar, that's quite international yeah. now we used to do a lot of festival not festivals but like fairs like street fairs and things like that so that's where we was coming out of and um when I started to do music again, I kind of not put it to bed, but I felt like the music is an opportunity to raise your profile and gain exposure. And then off the back of that, the brand then brings in an income. So that's what we started doing. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I tried to tie them all in. Sure, and sure. there was obviously overlaps and those times when one thing wasn't as um, profound as the other. But um, one thing I always wanted to do was be a businessman. So I felt like I was able to be a creative and a businessman at the same time. But I felt like those things were cool, but they weren't going to make me rich. Yeah. You know, I felt like it, it's cool to be cool, but you you need a house. You need, yeah. I come from a big family. We need, we need, to, you know, I want to support my family. I'm the oldest of like six kids. Okay. So as much as, I, I think I was one of my biggest drivers because, um, it's just, you know, we grew up with not a lot. So one of my biggest drivers was I, I feel like in my generation, I need to turn that around. And um, so I feel like things like property and, and bigger business was always appealed to me. I was always interested in it. I always sort of read up on stuff. And so property wasn't, I wouldn't say a natural progression. I kind of felt like it was something I'd do a lot later down. I felt like you needed a lot of money to do property. Yeah. Um, so... I, my only, my only intention for property was to, to save up and buy my council flat. Yeah. That was it. I literally, that was my only goal. So in that 2014, 15, maybe 16, I was just saving, 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 saving. And um, I was just going to buy my flat from the council. And that for me was property check that that's it. You got a property. Yeah. I didn't I really understand how you'd make money from it. I just thought you just acquire and, that's it. When you get old, you sell it. And that's how you've made your money. And mm -hmm. I literally met a guy and um, he, well, my brother had met him and he says, I'm a, a property investor full time. I don't work. And we was like, wow, he lives good. And so he basically, <laughs> he basically said, if you need a hand with anything, like I, I can, I, I can teach you stuff. I can tell, you know, I can tell you. And he basically told me about my first pin meeting okay. and he, in Sam Mizuchi's book and I read it. And from then I said, right, that's, I'm going to go and take over this. <laughs> so, so that was what, five years ago? Um, I actually started in property in 2017. Right. So three so, years ago. Yeah. yeah three, 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 three and a half years ago. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Prior to that, prior to that, I had no experience in property at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and, and so just in terms of the music thing, just to kind of box that bit off. Yeah. So the culmination of that was you were, you were, you know, it, were, were you in a boy band? You were in, in some <laughs> kind of thing where you, is that right? Is that right to say that? Or? No, I, I mean, what we was, we was kind of like, I was fortunate because I managed to, so I did, um, I built like a, a collective, it was like, yeah, not a band, but 
it was a collective. Me, my younger brother, my friend. I don't know. Right. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Three of us. So I think it kind of, um, it kind of, um, it was cool because one of my brothers was in an actual band. Like they play music live. You yeah. Know? He was a drummer and, and, um, and we did songs together. So our, our group and his group would do songs together. So I guess the amalgamation was like, seen like a band. Um, yeah. We just like, we, we just rapped, we made beats, we rapped and we made songs and we was, we, ab we was able to do quite well. You know, we, 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 you know, the songs were in heavy rotation on MTV. Okay. It's radio one, one extra. Um, you know, we've done some really cool stuff with it. So I think that made me, that made me, um, as far as when you're doing stuff and there's levels that made me realize you can go to top level if you're prepared to put in the work. Yeah. And 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 folk and time. It wasn't instant. You know? No. Wow. Yeah, it's that. I, th I think for lot in lots of examples, and certainly my personal experience, and you know what my brother's done as well. Mm. You know, it's, it's a lot of it is about resilience and being able to just persevere when you know somebody says no or something goes wrong. It's just being able to kind of go home, take stock of that, but come back harder and come back stronger. It's, and it's, and, it's and again, it's never personal. No. And no. What's the saying? No doesn't mean no, never. Just no, not now. It's not yeah. personal. It's actually the no's are actually part of. They're doing you a favor. It's part of your own development. Because yeah. one thing you don't want to do is peak too soon. Yeah. So if someone says no, you actually ain't got the finished product. They're basically it's like training. They help. They're telling you if you go away and make it more like this, or if you come back. When I used to see musicians talk and they say, "Oh, I've been doing it for ten years," I used to think, "I'm not waiting ten years. Ten years is a long time." When you get older, ten years goes like that, mm. and it goes, you know. So it's 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 one of those things where that consistency, consistency is what is what will build you. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. So, so was it was it using that um, the kind of income that you generated from from the various things that you had going on that then enabled you to start start investing, or were yeah, you using so other other people's money to 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 make those investments? How how did you go about getting out? What I did was um, I was able. We you know like I said, we grew up pretty frugal, man. And even mm. when I had when I had money. I only really spent it on business. So I often went back in the business, which didn't always make me money. So I think for the first 10 years, it gave me options, but I didn't have, I never really had an income because I'd yeah. always spend it on business. I'd always buy more stock or, so I, I never learned to separate and pay myself. I never did all of those things. So when it got to like maybe 2000 and maybe 13, I started up a, a alcohol delivery company okay. and most of the businesses I'd had, I was passionate about them. That business, I, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't passion. That was, that was money. Mm. You know, that was just literally, I'm gonna, I was just a slave to money. Not in a bad way, but I felt like I need leverage now. And yeah. so money that we'd made from, from music and stuff, I was able to put it to one side and actually invest it in something that was going to make money. Music, you don't do to make money, you know. Something you're passionate about. You, you it, the goal isn't necessary to make money. Money is. Um, you'd like to, but if yeah. you put the song out, it doesn't make money. Then it is what it is. If you love it, you'll keep doing it. Yeah, so exactly. I wanted a business that is literally 
this is just a money turner. Um, you know, your your money is like a slave, and your slave has to have babies. And this is that. This is just gonna keep turning. So I did that for years. Like um, we're talking like a good sort of five years. I worked, and I and I was very hands on. Um, I worked, and I didn't. In five years, I maybe took off maybe six or seven Saturdays. Yeah. Other than that, I worked every and so again like. It never ruined my friendships, but it, it limited the amount of time I spent around people. And I thought people that, that kind of care for you will just respect the hustle and know that you're driven to do something. But I, that's what I did. I'm not saying it's people should do that, but that's what I was prepared to do to make the income I needed. So like I said, I was just, my goal was just to buy my flat from yeah. the council. And I was in a position to do that. Just met a guy that said, yeah, don't do that, you know you want to do this. So I, all my money, I just saved and saved and saved and saved for years. I didn't spend, I hardly went out. Other than your tracksuit here or there, I didn't really buy stuff either. So um, I, um, when I opened up my eyes to property, um, I was fortunate I had capital there, but I think one of the biggest things, the biggest assets was, was training, you know, right. training. I think was 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 more powerful than anything else. So, so that by training you mean you physically investing in learning a process, a structure from somebody yeah, right. to enable you to then to then go and yeah. transact in, in yeah, yeah diff, different acquisitions, yeah. different investment strategies, and so because, on and so forth. Because I mean, ultimately, we live in a we live in an age where you can kind of learn anything. Yeah. The difference is, is like. You know, you just pick up a book. That don't necessarily mean you can do it or just go on a call. It comes down to your commitment and your preparation and your execution. On top mm. of that, there's things like your, your your network or a mentor. Those things are all important, but it's doing them all together yeah. simultaneously and just taking the action to get stuff done. Yeah. You know? So um, that's, yeah, that was, that was the biggest game changer for me, being in a different environment and learning stuff and then implementing it. Yeah. Okay. And so you, you've obviously gone and acquired some properties. You've built up a portfolio to date. How, how how does that kind of look and feel now? So you've got X number of units, and I know you've got some development bits going on as well. So what? Yeah. What what's the kind of the sum of the parts? And that's either number of units or value up to you how you describe that. And then also. A, a kind of an overview of what you actually spend your day doing because I know you've got some virtual assistants that help you with the things you do as well and yeah it'd be interesting just to understand the kind of where you are today and how you feel about where you are today the kind of structure that you've implemented in terms of your how your business works yeah. um, and then after that we'll go on to you know what what the future might hold as well um it took me I think with the property because I didn't really have a particular direction i tried a bit of everything so right. jumped in i was like i'm gonna do some flips i'm gonna i'm gonna add value and and sell put it back on the market um assisted sales i tried a bit of everything i've done hmos yeah i wanted to do a dual strategy because i thought well, I'm, I'm from london lived there my whole life i've hardly ever really left london to be fair but um but I saw value in, in creating a dual strategy where doing stuff in London, 
which requires a lot more capital, but then doing stuff outside of London. And I didn't really know where I wanted to pick. So I thought, because with, with London, obviously I'm from here, I've got, I've got relationships here, I've got good knowledge. Um, but I felt like I was limited in what I could do. Uh, where, you know, like some like Liverpool, I, I started investing in Liverpool, and I think the first house I bought in Liverpool was about 50 grand. Mm. Um, and then I turned that into 150 grand as far as refinance. If yeah. I sold it privately, then it would have been 200 grand. And you do that a few times, and like, actually, I've got more capital. So I just kept throwing everything I was making and throwing it back in, um, which was cool. Uh, but at the same time, there was a lot of learnings because I was doing everything at once and, and, and all the money was my own. So I'd never, ever worked with somebody else's money. Okay. Um, which at the time I thought it was cool to be able to do it because I didn't have to answer to anyone and I could go and not necessarily make mistakes, but I could just go and, and, and try. I'm a trial, just go and do and I could learn, um, obviously made all the mistakes. And but then you're limited. And so I wanted to, I think proof of concept is good because I can, I'm prepared to go and put my money where my mouth is. Sure. In terms of growth, um, it, it, it does limit you. And so it means that you can only grow as far as you can grow because, and it's very singular. But if you work in teams or you work with people and you can grow yeah. together, you can tap into people's resources. So at the moment, I mean, one of the coolest things I, I ended up acquiring was, was a club. Okay. Um, and then I was able to get planning gain and that to turn that into a 40 bed service accommodation unit. Well, wow. okay. Downstairs is, com downstairs is just commercial space. We're going to turn that into a dark kitchen. Um, okay. So again, it, 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 it's cool to be, I think that's where the creative side of me kind of kicks in. And so I think that was one of the coolest projects that I've done. I've looked at other stuff, but I always wanted to go into development. It felt like yeah. development was a big boys game, but I just felt like, well, if I can just start learning now, let's say fell big and fell fast. Yeah. If I can just do that early, then I ain't got to play around with refurbs and then HMOs for 10, 15 years. I'll come in the game, do that for two years and then start focusing on development at the same time. And now that's all I really work on. So there's, okay. there's, there's I've got like a, a, a couple mils worth of property at the moment. And, and obviously that's still growing. I've, I've decided to stop doing refurbs and stuff like that. Okay. Um, just because I, I don't like, I don't like the unknowns. I don't like the the inconsistencies. Like we you know, you strip walls back, and there's parts of buildings that look like they want to fall over. <laughs> and that for me is like, it, it, I don't know. I, I did a house one time, right, and the, there was a split down the middle of the house. It looked like it looked like the house wanted to just fall on its front and its back at the same time. And I just thought that, that's so unsafe. You know, yeah. it's so obviously it if you just leave it, it just because I know that's there now, in my head I'm thinking that's not safe. I've had a chimney fall one time. I hate chimneys, me and chimneys ain't good friends. <laughs> it literally was it was refurbing a house and the chimney I asked the neighbor if I could just remove it. They don't use it, we don't want to use it. And 
and it just literally caved in. It ripped his half of his wall down. Oh god! Um, and I just said, "No, nah, I, I, I feel like with new builds, not only can we be more eco-friendly, more sustainable, but we can be safe. We can guarantee that what we put together is done in a certain way. It, it's going to be, you know, I'm thinking of the end user, yeah, and, and safety, and um, that's just yeah. So those little things." People say it's part of the game. It just it just meant that I wasn't in control of the quality. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. in control of 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 what we were creating. So that was one of the things for me to say. Like I'm just going to focus on new builds, whether it's ground up or you know airspace. But property, yeah. So we've we've I've managed to do okay. I managed to to I've hold on to everything. I've not sold anything. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know that you're involved in, we, 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 yeah, we've got this little airspace project you and I are working on at the moment, and we're just yeah. kind of getting the wheels turning on that. Yeah. Um, and I think a key part of that is that kind of uh, modular or offsite manufacturing approach, the OSM. Um, yeah, and, and I know that you're, you're heavily involved in that in, in, yeah. in, in terms of the project with Ken, who's a mutual contact of ours as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd be interested to kind of hear your thoughts on yeah where, where that goes and how, how you see that market evolving. For me, it's um, change is inevitable. Change mm. is inevitable, and I was introduced to to offsite manufacturing, OSM, offsite manufacturing or mod, modern methods of construction. Uh, the first part of it I was introduced to was modular buildings. And um, a guy, he's quite a savvy um, developer, um, I know him from up north, and he told me about it. And when he was explaining it to me, I couldn't get my head around the concept of it. He kept saying it to me, and, and he was, he's a bit of a lad, so when he's explaining it to me, it sounds like Lego. I was saying, but we're talking about buildings. You know, this is, buildings are, are stuck in the ground, like buildings are stuck to the floor. You can't just... And, and, he, and he wasn't good at explaining it to me, but it fascinated me. I'm, I'm someone I love, I think the, the creative side of me, I'm very, I love innovation. So anything innovative had, has an appeal to me. And um, I spent, so that was about two years ago. So quite early on in my journey, he told me about it. But in the lot, I, I would say at that point, there wasn't even that much information about sort of um modular developments there hadn't there wasn't a lot you could see they were very sparse so even some of the big players in the game um i think urban splash were yep. doing their thing but they, they there wasn't loads of sites they had done so there was a, um, a couple of fat i think lesco um who else was there oh, i can't remember their names uh i know the the in-house so there wasn't a lot, you know, two years ago or a year and a half ago, there wasn't a lot of even sites that, so people might have had show pieces, but there wasn't lots of sites being done out. And, um, but for me, when I saw it, I said, this is the future. Mm. And what's, what's funny is that it's, it's quite, um, you see it a lot overseas. It's just the UK is quite far behind for whatever reason. You know, sometimes mm. us British people are a bit conservative in yeah. our approach but i feel like it's it was because for me the construction industry itself is quite i would say it's out of date it's just not 
that open because pe- things are done in in a particular way and people like it like that. So mm. any form of change, it threatens people's people's perspective. Might threaten their their the way they work, their income, which it actually doesn't. But that's how people perceive stuff. And for me, mm. change is inevitable. And I, I I what I liked about it was that it ticks a lot of boxes. You know, it's ultimately what it is. Is for people who don't know, it's where construction most of the construction is done off-site so it's done in uh in a factory of some sort but it means that we can build because we're not it's not different materials you're still using timber or steel or whatever you're using it's just done a different way it means that you're able to create environments that are actually safer for people you're actually able to be more um apply more precision in your build and create stuff, create a better product. We can actually create um, products where they're more firmly efficient. So you're saving money. It's better for the environment. We can build homes now where they're literally almost 100% recyclable. Hmm. Where prior to that, the, the, the construction industry has had a, is, is, does crazy stuff as far as landfill and the, the the stuff that goes into landfill from construction industry is 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 quite a lot. It's it's bad. Um, mm. I believe up to forty percent. Mm. So it's those things there for me. It ticks every box. It's it's a better product. It's safer. It's faster. It's like ten times faster. It's it's wasn't necessarily cheaper, but you can save money in the speed of implementation. And I just felt like it's a space that there's not a lot of there's not. There needs to be more going on in that space. So when I saw it early, I was like, I'm going to just jump in and, and get involved. Yeah. Mm. No, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I, I saw a post on a Facebook group that I'm a member of this morning where somebody was saying that they're, that they're a, a, a wholesaler of building materials. Mm-hmm. And they, they reckon that building material costs since Brexit and we've left the EU have gone up by potentially up to 15% and there's real supply, there's real supply chain issues as yeah. well. So offsite manufacturing can really help with all that stuff because you've effectively got a contractor who builds on a fixed price. It completely de-risks the project for you. Once you're out of the ground, you've got the slab, you're on your way, aren't you? It's, you're kind it's, of on your way, yeah. yeah. And what's funny is, again, one of the biggest holdups was the way the industry views it. So getting the finance on it. People was like, well, we don't understand it. What is it? A port cabin? We're not. You're not going to get mortgages on it. So this, the time it took for the finance industry to catch up was 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 um, was crazy. But mm. then, so they, what we had to do is people, banks had to start going to factories and seeing the process and understand how it works. It's like it's still a house. It's just done in a different way. Mm. And I think the best way for people to understand it is it's like a, a combination of. Um, property and automotive industry combined mm. yeah and one of the things i'd say to someone is you wouldn't would you buy a car that was built outside right now so why would you buy a house but it's because in your head houses are outside and that's what i couldn't understand i was like well how could you make a house inside but then put it, it, it that didn't make sense until i saw it and then yeah. i saw how it worked and i understand i understood how houses were built you know you've got the different layers and because when you're in your house, you're just inside. But yeah. understanding you've got the different skims, the different layers, um, that can be done internally. And yeah. then 
positioned outside or assembled outside and so it's just it's just for people to understand the process and like you said it's a fixed cost your house is just going to cost that price mm. today tomorrow the day after next week next month when it's done individually under the elements the the, the contingency for it is 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 is, is a lot higher because you just don't know if it turns up if it's raining then no brickworks getting done yeah this country could rain for months well and and particularly at the moment with the weather as cold as it is you know it's too yeah. cold for cement cool. to go off isn't it so more cement so then you're just done we're yeah. off-site literally like obviously there's different types you know whether you're using the panelized system which is when it's done in panels or modular or timber frame but you know you could you could have a house built in this, I think some modular place you could build a house in as quick as four days. The actual building of the house. Yeah. But you need a, a time frame of maybe three months just to get all the materials in. But the actual building of the house is in a, is in a week. It's, it's incredibly fast, isn't it? It just means. And I, I agree with you. I think the efficiency side of it and all of that stuff, I think, is really, really, really important. And frankly, it's, it's the way that the industry has to move and i think you're right there's naturally been some resistant for resistance from you know the construction industry which is probably a bit scared of it because it's going to potentially it's just fair i look at yeah. it it's just fair um but we what we, we i mean one thing people need to understand is never going to fully take over i think people for all most people's mindsets was well, what about me yeah what about my job and it's like well, it's never it's not going to take your job over but at the same time we have to look at the government has has a has a, a goal, and there's there's how there's there's a court of houses that need to be built. Mm. So this could help that. So there's types of maybe areas or types of de there's development types where this might be more suited to help us get that that quota down. Yeah, but um, it's not going to completely take over. People say, oh, but then all the houses are going to look the same, or developments start to look the same. But then that's always been the case if you grew up in a certain area the house probably looked the same anyway so yeah. it's, not, it's not different well i don't know if you've ever been to moscow and russia but yeah there's blocks and blocks of yeah, yeah. <laughs> places that look the same over there for sure yeah, yeah. um no interesting uh, yeah I, th I think that i think it's getting that pricing right isn't it and I, th I think initially when these things were launched you're paying a massive premium for yeah, it and it ultimately true. becomes you know that that's not cost effective but as the economies of scale start coming into it and the efficiencies improve then i think naturally you know if, if it's on par or slightly cheaper and you yeah. know that you're not going to have the cost overruns that you potentially would have with kind of traditional construction methods then you can potentially use it yeah use it use it to your advantage so yeah no it's an interesting interesting space mm. um so yeah obviously we're in the middle of we haven't we haven't touched on um you know the environment that we find ourselves in in terms of um yeah in the mid middle of a lockdown um i mentioned it briefly at the beginning but has, has, how how are you dealing with that and has that had any impact on your businesses that you've got going on at the moment um lockdown was challenging I, at one stage a lot of the a lot of the stock i had i turned into service accommodation okay i wanted to play with it try and get um try and because a lot of my stuff was self-managed i was doing it myself I've had teams, I've had VAs that were, were managing the HMOs and doing stuff like that. And once I said, if I want to, you know, boost my income a bit, play around with it. And um, so I put the houses on onto Airbnb and Booking.com. And um, 
we're doing great. We're doing okay. Like, um, mm. yeah, COVID just wipes that out completely. The bottom line gone. And so, so some of the houses were actually empty. So right. you're paying mortgages and there's no money. It was like, wow. And then at the, at the beginning, no one really knew. Remember, you couldn't do like, I think no one could move in or move out. Yeah. With, you know, I had friends where they had HMOs and some of their tenants just left. Like, we're scared. We're going back to our parents. This is some bullshit. <laughs> it's like, some people <laughs> left and didn't even pay rent. Like, yeah. just, just left. So it was, yeah. it was a chaotic time. Again, I didn't panic. I just said, well, panic is what everybody's doing. Panic is why there's no food on shelves. I'm not yeah. going to panic. Um, I just just watched everything. But after a while, right, bills are still coming out. Um, I was able to get mortgage holidays. But then I've got a couple of properties I've got bridges on. Right. So construction wasn't getting done. Refurs weren't getting done. And the bridging companies were just like, nope, you still got to pay. I was like, oh, and I never got bounce back loans. I never got anything. I just wasn't, um, I just wasn't in a position to get them because at the time, I, I was only, I was only using fintech accounts, like so tied basically. Right. Yeah. And when tied came in, they were kind of they joined the party quite late, hmm. the bounce back party, and then their money was gone in five weeks. And yeah. I think anything. So I was literally like, how am I going to maneuver out of this? But I just looked at it as, a, as an opportunity to, um, to, to, to grow. When we was talking about your brother and just that resilience, it's the same kind of thing. It doesn't mm. feel good in the moment, but um, you just got to hold into your laurels. And so small things, I think what weirdly prior to that, I had, um, I had a bit of a situation which was the end of 2019 where I was waiting for refinance. Right. And it took a lot longer than I anticipated. And yep. it almost like almost effed me, bro. I was like, I've got stuff coming out. I basically I was I went I had stuff I need to pay for, but yep. I was gonna release about a hundred grand. So I wasn't yep. I wasn't broke, but I didn't have any money. But yep. I thought this is coming. I said to them, How long do you reckon it's gonna take? Take a couple of months. Yeah, cool. Bro, it took about almost six months so yeah. i was really under it to the point where people you know i, I had debts and they were like free you know you need to pay this and again and i think what pissed me off is it wasn't large amounts of money mm. but when you owe money you owe money so yeah. it might be like you owe us 1500 pounds you ask two grand so it's it's an amalgamation of these small little debts yeah I, I wasn't able to pay them and so mm. that was um that was tricky and I just felt like the people that was the right, um, the conveyances were being so difficult. And I, I explained to them going in, I just said, and I had all my paperwork. So the stuff that they were asking for, I felt was, was over the top, but it wasn't even that they was asking. It was the way, it was the time. If I sent something on a Monday, I wouldn't get a response to the Friday. And it was like, oh, by the way, that's not acceptable because you haven't done this. And yeah. so what should have been done in a month took four months and it was, yeah. it was excruciating but that happened i managed to keep my head in the game stay above thin it was i was on thin ice <laughs> that prepared me so when it came to covid yeah I was used to it i had very 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 simple structures no matter how you feel or what's going on there's some stuff you can't control stuff mm. you can control make sure that's on top you're on top form so get good sleep, don't eat shit. Because if you eat shit, you feel shit. Yeah. So 
really ba the basic stuff three liters of water a day read for half an hour a day that kept me sane when yeah. my world felt like it was crumbling so with yeah. covid i literally was like it's like that was boot camp so when it came to covid i was like this is light work you yeah. know stay in yeah. your house you should stay in anyway so stay in i was doing runs daily i was doing burpees i was eating balanced diet so I was in a good space, but financially, it, it kind of yeah, my cash flow dried up. Um, and it's that that old saying during these times is 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 the truth, isn't it? Cash is king. Cash you know? is king. And, yeah. and it's. I was. I went from king to pauper. I was. He brought me back down. <laughs> Again, it's good. Equity's cool. Having stuff is cool, but I hadn't had a contingency for this so i thought well my portfolio isn't even that diverse a couple i still had a few hmos but they were paying for themselves and maybe bringing in some money but it wasn't i wasn't able to pay for the rest of the ecosystem um and i just didn't have spare cash everything i've got is just invested so i'd have to wait for another refinance i told you how the last one went so yeah. that's not going to come anytime soon so it, again it's I think the most powerful thing with with um, with COVID, it taught me that you your business needs to be recession proof as much as you can make it, or and and if, you can't always make something recession proof, but the diversity needs to be in there mm -hmm. because if someone had told us that was going to happen a year before it happened, then I probably would have played the game differently. So while yeah. it was happening, I was like, right, if this was to happen again. Like we don't know when it's going to stop. How will I do my business differently? Or how would I, how could I pivot? There was a lot of pivoting going on and it was powerful. It was good to see what other people was doing. Yeah. I don't wish unfortunate circumstances on anybody. So it was interesting seeing some people thriving. It was interesting seeing some people against the ropes. I was kind of against the ropes, but my head wasn't, my head was good. Yeah. Uh, one of my cousins, he, um, he owns a couple of franchises, um, like the dessert stores. Okay. And yeah. His business was booming. He yeah. was like, bro, I make more money now with the shop shut because we don't have people sitting in. I make more money now than I did when it was open. Yeah. I'm yeah. expanding. And I was like, that's powerful. <laughs> because, but equally does property. So the property stuff, it kind of took a bit of a hit. But it was interesting in see, seeing that, there's opportunities and everything. So as yeah. much as it might not be for you, it's interesting seeing other people are growing in these markets, in these conditions. And what could I do? What kind of maybe digital products could I start creating? What kind of content could we, no, it's just pivoting. You gotta be, it's like a real hustle. You gotta really be focused and, and be open and, and, and just, and just, and just drive it. I, I agree. I think, yeah, for, for me personally, it was, oh, I was kind of, you know, fortunately I, I had cash, so I wasn't, yeah. you know, un under pressure from that perspective. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was okay. You know, for me, it was more about what the fuck am I going to do with my life? You know, I'm sitting <laughs> sitting at home, all my businesses are shut. You know, yeah. like so. But I, I spent that time, yeah, in investing in, you know, sending letter letters out to potential yeah. development sites, exactly. uh, searching for things, building websites. You know, all that's all that good stuff. And I think. Yeah, it, it kind of was back to basics in some ways, and hopefully yeah, some of the, some of those things that I've you know invested my time and energy in are you know going to come to fruition in the in the coming months and they years. Actually, so. will, and I think one of the biggest things because um, like you mentioned Paul Paul Davis earlier, and I've always been a massive 
advocate of of Nimbus because I just love I love I I like them personally. I love their ethos. I like their the way they apply themselves to what they do. But I think the the, the business is 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 dope. It's great. You could sit. So when we're now forced to stay in, their yep. business just went boom because you're yep. in your house. But I, it was a tool I'd used before then. But it made me realize that I'd been caught up in the business. I need to build the business so it works. It works around my goals. My business. I was based. I was busy being busy. Yeah. I need to focus on what my thing was. And so, as a developer, the beginning of before lockdown, the beginning of 2020, I'd done like um, I'd won an award for business strategy. And one of my key things was. I'm going to focus on acquisitions, focus, just this pipeline. I feel like so gas. So with lockdown, it kind of meant I had the space to do that. I feel like without the pipeline, you don't really have a business. So for me, pipeline of development deals that I could either build out myself or sell. So I just wanted to focus on, on, on acquisitions. I called it shackquisitions. Let's <laughs> get a pipeline of deals. And so yeah. this was my, my, was my tool of choice so we're knocked down it was like cool just hone in on that just get dope at doing that build a team start talking to people build a system so i systemized my business to basically just get development deals yeah um, and just really so so lockdown for me was an experience it wasn't personally it wasn't i wasn't in a bad space mentally and i was actually able to execute my goals for 2020 because I had the time to do nothing else. I yeah. just focused on, you know, um, on doing that. There's a guy called James Williams who is does business um, systems and processes. So right. I spent a lot of time working with him and just getting my business processed. And so that's where you know I got the VAs. They they come in and we just we just work on getting that pipeline straight. And, and and I guess also that then enables you to actually focus on doing the things that you like doing. Exactly. Because for me, you know, I, I, I mentioned this on the previous episode, but for me, a lot of a lot of this is about designing your life and designing your lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. So, so that I, I spend my time doing the shit that I want to do. And the shit that I want to do is talking to people like yourself that inspires yeah. me, that then makes me go and think, right, I want to go and do more, you know, have more, you yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 that, and, that's, that, and that's exactly it. So when people are kind of, I think what's powerful about this is people that haven't realized that or was unaware of that, have probably sat down in lockdown and, and been worried about the unknowns. It's, it's, it's then you see other people, actually they're, they're changing stuff. They've took something negative and turned it into a positive. They've actually said, well, do you know what? Seeing as I can't do this anymore, I'm just gonna focus on what I can do. Yeah, I found the processing stuff very overwhelming. It really blows my head. Systems, mm-hmm. all that stuff is not. That's not my groove. Hence, why I employ someone to help me do it. But it's like a, it's like a desert. You know, when you're in it, it's not. It don't feel great. When you come out the other side, you're better for it. So now, not only do I understand it, I can implement it. And like you said, I can now focus on the parts that I want to do. Mm-hmm. So just you know, a lot of the repetitive work you can you can kind of automate it where you can you can delegate it and you can focus on parts where the highest value is created so if we're looking at sites my goal was to focus on focus on what kind of sites i wanted 
sites in sort of the million plus price range so i know off the back of that these are the kinds of fees i can make but this is the kind of gross margins that people can make if they choose to build it out if we go for maybe a pre or full planning on it if whatever you want to do i know in that space if i add numbers to that it's going to be lucrative so i don't necessarily have to be bogged down doing work that's keeping me really busy but ain't really changing anything yeah so. okay so that brings us quite nicely as a segue onto the kind of future what you think the future holds yeah. um obviously covid isn't going away and it's it uh, you know I, my opinion is we're probably in one of the trickiest trading environments um that, that we find ourselves a statistic i my, my wife uh works for deloitte the accountancy firm um and she told me yesterday that car sales were the lowest they've ever been for 30 years so that's an indicator of consumer confidence. Yeah, if yeah. people aren't buying new cars, you know, yeah. there's, 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 yeah, lack of confidence out there. So, yeah, we're, we're in a tricky environment. So, yeah, how, how, how do you, what, what's your plans going forward, and how do you plan to deal with, deal with, with the COVID? One of the things I do is I feel like action begets action, and so I say to people, people that feel anxious or people that feel depressed, like I said, it, COVID was a very anxious period. There was parts of the work I was doing that, that made me quite anxious because I find that overwhelming. So I just take action. Um, there is a lot of fear with, especially in our in our game, like a potential market crash, recession, all that stuff. So then part of me is like, well, if I start acquiring these sites or I start building stuff out and someone pulls the rug from under my feet, what the fuck am I gonna do? Mm. Um, but again, that challenge is good because it makes you think in ways that it makes me go into a level of detail I may not have gone into prior. Before I was like, build it up, slap it out, we'll <laughs> worry about who lives in it afterwards, we'll sell yeah. it. But now I'm like, actually, I need to tie in a very, very strong exit strategy. So mm. maybe I need to work with an organization that houses key workers. Maybe I need to work with an organization that houses young people at risk things like that de-risk. So even if the value's gone, it's not necessarily gone if your exit is there. So things like that um, moving forward, it's just really being super de detailed in your approach. And if you can have really strong exits or you know, you're know you in a good area where you know, even if the values drop, the, there's still gonna be a demand that keeps you in a, in a, cool, in a cool space. You're not always gonna have that, but I mean, at the end of the day, there's risk in everything. So for me, it's my goal is to keep while while people may be sort of umming and ahhing, I'm all guns blazing, all guns blazing. I, I guess also as well, if you are taking that planning risk, then there's an element of time from, you know, acquisition or control of a site. Yeah to actually taking it through the planning process and then obviously the time that it takes to build it out, which obviously with modular construction will be quicker. Yeah. Um, but clearly there's a margin there as well, because if you are building that plan, you know, taking that planning risk, then, you know, you should be getting, you know, a significant uplift just by achieving, achieving planning. Yeah. And yeah. then obviously then you get the construction margin on top of that. So hopefully that should help insulate yourself if there is a bit of a, you know, 100%. bit of a turn. Yeah. Then I think with me as well, is if I potentially might take a hit on something like that. So one of my big goals is to, um, is I've always, like I said, massive growth. I want to do big things, but I feel like there's always got to be a give back. 
So one of the things that I was quite passionate about with the modern methods of construction was having my own sort of um, my own maybe a factory or my own situation where we could build some of these houses. And so with us kind of having that now, it's given me an opportunity to to give back. And uh, I'm very passionate about employing young people that have maybe been at risk or ex-offenders, people that I want to be able to give opportunities to people that I know would like to have the opportunities where maybe society hasn't given them them. I can say, you know, I don't care about that. I care about, Mm. I don't care about what's happened. I care about what you want to do moving forwards. Yeah. So if, so, so that's where the modern methods of construction can give opportunities to people that want to work. So if I may have potentially taken a hit on one aspect, I know that aspect should be, I could still provide growth in that, in that, in that region. Because I know that, all right, that might not be happening, but people still need the houses. Yeah. So as much as the market might not dictate that it's a good idea, people will still need the houses. People still mm. need the places to live. So for me, it's um, it's just all guns blazing. I think we can, like you said, there's there's time there where you've gone from controller acquisition to planning or how you want to do it. But um, I, I just think it's action begets action. So as long as you're doing something in the right, in the right, you're going in the right direction, you can always pivot if you need mm. to. But for me, lockdowns just taught me to make to just be open-minded to other exits, um, repurposing, just being creative in the way you do that, and maybe aligning yourself with other organisations, working with other developers. It means that we have access to resources that you may not have thought about going in. Yeah. So for me, it's, yeah, all guns blazing. Yeah, okay. And in terms of um, your kind of world domination plans, I like to put it in that way, you know, I've, I've, I've got the white cat and I like sitting there stroking it. <laughs> but, yeah, what, what you know, what, what's the plan for you? Is it, you know, 100 sites? Is it, what, what's, you know, where do you, where do you kind of see yourself positioned in, in say, five years' time? Five years' time? Um... It's funny because originally, I remember the first time I met a few people that owned a hundred sites and I was blown away like, wow. And then it became not normal, but I knew a few people that had a hundred sites. But then a hundred sites doesn't mean anything. It's a number. It's yeah. like when I, when I first got into property, everyone was like, I want 10 grand a month. It's just yeah. a number. How yeah. much do you actually need? Yeah. And 10 grand is very obtainable. What are you prepared to do to get that? So a yeah. hundred sites... Because you could have a hundred shit sites. Well, no, no, no. I, I just use so, that as as, as an no, example. No, no, so, no, yeah. Again, in my head, that's the kind of thing I would have said. Yeah, I'm gonna get a yeah. hundred sites. Yeah. My cousin said I'm gonna get a thousand sites, and we was like, yeah, and we'll buy helicopters in five years' time. Um, for me, I, I, it wasn't necessary to the sites. I think when I started focusing predominantly on developments, I was looking at value, and so, okay. like. Last year, I said, right, in the next year, I want to make a million pounds for myself. Just, yeah. I just want to have it. Um, and one of the, the things I like about that, as, as, as much as it might sound sort of arrogant, um, Jim Rohn says, the good thing about making, becoming a millionaire, is not necessarily the money, it's the changes you've made in yourself to become that. 
Mm. You're not going to be a millionaire being a slob or being lazy. It's 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 working on yourself in those key areas like your your routine, your focus, your drive, your execution. So I kind of came in love with that process on that self development. Yeah, to enable me to unlock to become a millionaire. So that was my goal. Yeah, and um, I've just decided for me, I have to ten x that. You know, okay, I have to ten x that. So it's like. If, and to be fair to anybody, if you are aiming for something, you should really be looking at 10x it. And I think one of the powerful things with 10x in something isn't, again, it's not the amount, it's what it takes for you to 10x something. So mm. 10x thinking is saying, well, if I wanted a mill, I'd probably go out and earn it. If I want 10, I'd actually need to pull in resources and build a team that can help me. So if you think like that anyway, then mm. you're it's exponential. So for me, like, a 10 mil was kind of is yeah that's kind of what i when i sit down and plan my strategy so when i'm looking at sites or developments it's more i look at it from a numerical perspective and that's what i'm aiming for yeah okay no lofty goals but i'm sure you'll get there with the with the the resilience you you've shown so far and we'll continue (laughs) to know that show it so you touched on it there as well actually and that's something i was going to ask you about so do you have a kind of specific morning routine or how, how do you structure your time um i have had one and it was the best i've had like, it, it slips it, it drops in and drops out but um miracle mornings is a great routine and okay. and i i basically i said well i'm gonna get the, so they've got miracle mornings for millionaires so i bought that book and just the principles of it is they call it the savers and to anyone that's not familiar with that, the savers is literally S-A-V-E-R-S. So you've got silence, which is meditation. Um, and again, it they weren't things that I was able to fully do. So it took me time to learn to try and meditate, to understand it and how to get stuff from it. So I've tried different things. I've tried guided meditation. Um, meditation's great. Just even if it's just silence for five minutes to yourself yeah. to just get up and do that. Um, so my morning routine is, yeah, I would do a bit of meditation affirmations. I've written okay. out an affirmation list. If you can do it, mornings is great. If you're really on the ball um, twice a day, so end of the day, beginning of the day, it just kind of keeps you focused, but you lock it into your goals. So your affirmations can be quite wholesome as in, you know, just appreciative of the things I have. But again, it locks you into what your goals are for the day or for the month, for the year, but it keeps you accountable. Um, The V is visualization. Yeah. So make some people do mood mood boards or they visualize. I think one of the cool tricks was like, if I'm going to start speaking to these vendors, I have to visualize myself, not only wanting to do it, being good at it, you know? So things, little things like that. Exercise is powerful. Again, you don't have to do the most. I, I like to run. I've taught myself how to run and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm okay at it. But it could just be like five minutes. It could be like 20 push-ups. I just think some form of exercise, something to get the blood going, reading and scribing. So if you yeah. can read, read. If not, audiobooks. I think audiobooks have been my friend for the last two years. Yeah. I just download some great books and I just, I just soak them up. And, and, and yeah, scribing, writing, journaling, or just writing ideas. I think the the powerful thing for me is is with reading. One thing I never did years ago was I never actioned the stuff that I read. So I read Rich Dad Poor Dad and said, this is great. 
I feel like I've learned some stuff I have, which I which I have, but now uh, it's about reading it. And when you see something, actually putting that into your diary and doing that like tomorrow. This is mm. now what I do. That book said that. It says the you know the ninety day year. This is how I do now. And yeah. I feel like those things there really change you as a person. So that morning routine, I may not always do it all in the morning. I may yeah. leave reading to another time of the day or or I don't do it every day. I might have a day where I do it a lot more or what I sometimes do is I'll put my audio book on while I'm doing low intensity stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's that routine I think would literally change your life. Mm. If you can if you've got the time to do it and it doesn't have to be long if you've got an hour then that's kind of a cool way to do it on 90 minutes some people do it in 20 30 minutes just literally a little bit of everything three pages in the book write a couple of lines 10 push-ups and even that is better than nothing yeah no interesting interesting mm. cool and then um yeah so i suppose in terms of um what your uh out outlook of the market so um yeah, do you, do you think that the market is going to suffer a bit this year or do you think we're going to kind of how, how, how what's your outlook? Oh, it's so hard, bro, and I'm I'm not I'm not one of those analytic analytic people. I, I kind of tap into other people's views often. But um because again, people have been saying it since 2018. I've got friends that are, are, are smarter than me that since 2018 said, "Yep, the market's we're going to have a recession." Gonna have a recession. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Gonna have a recession. So this has kind of forced our hands because the economy is fucked. Like the amount of furloughs and people unemployment levels are going to be through the roof. But then again, it, it it can. But then, but then, I mean, look at look at the summer. People said they've had the best. Just when the market softened a bit, when we were allowed to start doing stuff, people made more sales in that month in that period than they'd made for the whole year mm. so that's like whoa i mean we could say that's that's um actions based off the back of that's a reactive they're reactive yeah. um sales but from what i've seen it think it looks like things are just kind of cracking on so it's hard to say yeah okay i, I mean I, my my view is that th there are obviously going to be elements of the economy that are you know hospitality sector yeah, yeah. you know it's fucked yeah I'm, I'm a shareholder in a couple of bar restaurant companies and you know they've gone through the floor you know it's kind of not good yeah. but at the same time you know there are opportunities out there and my my personal approach is i'm looking to acquire some companies and like yourself you know i've got my kind of structure and my process in terms of mm. finding sites and going through that going yeah. through that process so i, I think yeah i think the, even even in the darkest and most difficult of times, there's opportunity yeah. there, and it's just there's you know it, opportunity. It's finding I, it. I think the mad thing is, is because I'm open-minded to stuff and I'm I'm around different types of people. There's people that are sitting there, not to sound crude, but they're rubbing their hands. Yeah. Like, oh my god, this is great. You know, it's chaotic, but it's great. So then I, it makes me think. Well, you just have to decide what side you're going to be on. Yeah, and I know it's not that easy, but like you said, when things have tanked, like I said, all my like that forty bed thing, that's all hospitality. That's mm. fucked, bro. But it's like actually, there's an opportunity here. There might even worst comes to worst, I could sell it. Yeah, but you're never 
proper proper fuck there's always a way you can repurpose re-strategize you know there's there's always you just got to be open-minded and be creative so like you said for me it's all guns blazing I, I, i'm looking to make acquisitions this year possibly in, in other industry other businesses that can complement what i'm doing it's literally just it's all opportunities yeah okay and um yeah so i suppose in in, in terms of um obviously for people who are struggling um what advice would you give somebody who's you know maybe made be made redundant uh wants to make a go of things wants to you know turn their life around and and push what what advice would you give somebody who's in a difficult situation right now um i think we are not to discredit your situation but we live in a time where you can get access to so much information right now um maybe that's the bad side because it's probably information um, overwhelm or overload but you could literally tap into anything you could almost reach anybody um and if you can't reach them you can find out about them and if you can't find out about them you can find out about someone that's similar to them and my my, my, my point is you can you can kind of learn things you can learn new skills you can learn new ways to do stuff basically reskilling yourself or finding you can like i wish i'd done this a lot sooner the stuff that we're doing i wish i learned it years ago you know i say to young people that are mental like you you're i want you you know they say i want to be like you i'm like brother i'm 40 i you sh i want you to do to be where i'm at by the time you're 25 yeah, I want you, you know, so it's, I think people that are a bit stuck, it's, it's about utilizing the time to really, like you said, life by design, actually, how do I want my life to be? Um, what things do I want to do? And you can find people that do those things and almost emulate them or learn from them and, and take. So I feel like it's almost an opportunity to have a fresh canvas and just paint how you want that to look. Um, it's, I think it's about being inspired. It's about, it's about learning always be, I think the problem is some people are, aren't open to learning because they feel like their situation dictates that, oh, I'm mm. this age, so I can't learn. That mm. doesn't make sense. Oh, I've got, I've got five kids. I can't, I can't do a business. I've got my circumstances dictate and there will be elements where it's, you're at a, a, a point where you are a bit stuck. But we all know that's never forever. We've all been through periods in our life that were very challenging. And at the time, you couldn't see past it. Now you kind of think about it and say, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but it, it's not as bad. So I feel like people that are stuck ha have the opportunity or should take the, that as an opportunity to, to, to look for growth options, growth, growth opportunities, you know, learn, um, I would literally like, I would just soak something up, whether it's a book, whether it's someone on YouTube, whether it's just a way of understanding how something works, whether it's, there's this, and the thing is there's so many different ways to do, to do, to, to do that. You know, people want to get into property, but property is one investment vehicle out of many, mm. you know, so there's lots of different ways you can do your thing. I think now's a good opportunity or people that are stuck, should take the time out and just and just be open-minded to learning new things and and looking at things with a fresh lens 
And is there one particular book or piece of audio or film or or whatever that you'd recommend um, to start with? I, I love quotes. I'm a big quotes man, so I, I look for things that have quotes. But I think one of the one of the best books I wrote it down. Um one a book that I love. Um and there's loads of it, and this is what I'm saying, like you could go onto YouTube and mm. type in motivational speakers and there's tons of cool people some of them are shit but it's like anything it's like books some books are better than others but it depends on what you like but mm. generally one of my favorite guys was Jim Rohn okay he's yeah. got a book called The Art of Exceptional Living and okay. why I like that book is it's not about just business and it's not about some people think ah oh, you know that balanced lifestyle is airy fairy it's actually so his is you can be a nice guy and do very well. Mm. You don't have to be like Gary V all guns blazing. You can actually be a wholesome person. Yeah. Be do very, very well. And I feel like that book really embodies that. He talks very seriously, but he has humor. So I feel like that balance, someone that may not be well versed in, I don't want to be bogged down in, in loads of detail or I'm not that hustle, hustle, hustle guy. I feel like Jim Rohn, Art of Exceptional Living, as a book or an audio book, um, is a, is is great. I think that's it. and and you can you could probably I just sometimes just go on YouTube and look for Jim Rohn or Les Brown and just leave it running and yeah. just have it on, but it, it really opens your mind. Yeah, no, I agree, and I th I think it, you know if 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 you're because obviously different people learn in different ways. Yes. Having you know sitting down and physically opening a book isn't necessarily you know doesn't necessarily stimulate everybody yeah, yeah. and have it having audio audio books and youtube and all, all these different kind of formats it yeah. makes it much more accessible so if you don't yeah. like reading you don't have to read you can no, listen to it instead you know it's it's yeah yeah i agree that's uh that's a that's a good point cool so I think from my perspective, that's everything I wanted to talk about today. Um, have you got anything that you'd like to leave our viewers and our listeners with? Is there any takeaways? And also, where do we find you on socials and so on and so forth? Uh, my, my socials are, um, fortunately, I'm Shaq Baker, S-H-A-C-K, Baker. I'm like the only one. So <laughs> if you if you just go into it, like, I'm, on, I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm literally the only one. So Shaq Baker, um, and I think I think we've kind of covered it. I think one of the things um, I literally just wanted to say was is um, I don't think I wouldn't say I've had any particular great great uh, a great success. I think success is just a, a, an amalgamation of all the things that have gone well. But to everything that's gone well. So I think what's what's funny is people think I'm younger than I am. And people say, oh, you've done really well. I said, bro, I'm like, not necessarily because I see a 20-year grind. Mm. So for me to, oh, I've only been in property for three years, but I've been grinding and losing and failing for the last 15. Yeah. You understand? So it's not, things ain't always what they seem to be. And someone says, like, never compare your your step five or step six or step seven to someone else's step 57 someone mm. else's step 85 so it's just being comfortable where you are and and one of my things was i wish i i tapped into stuff sooner all the audio books the wealth of knowledge that's out there i wish i did that part sooner so um i think people need to be kind to themselves be open-minded and um when they find their thing 
Just grind their fucking ass off, bro. That's the only thing, really, <laughs> anything. Action begets action. As long as you're taking some form of action, and your action, my action might not look like your action. I could look at you and be like, oh, fucking hell, Matt's made it. But they, people are not always looking at what you was prepared to do and what mm. you have done. So th- I think stuff like this is powerful. This is probably the best thing people can do is by listening to other people's stories and being influenced and in- inspired by how people have done it mm. but not feeling bad about the circ- their own situation. As long as you're taking some form of action, you've, you're doing it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a it's a journey. It's not about quick wins. It's about building. For me, it's about architecture and infrastructure, so that you know you 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 systemize it and you build these processes, and then ultimately, you know, you trust in the in in the process, and you know that it's going to generate results in the in the in the long term. So, yeah, that's the you know for me, it's not about a quick win. It's about you know the longer term game, but. Yeah. You know, whilst you, you know, we've all had those difficult times when you think the world's falling apart, you know, the bottom's falling out of your world or whatever. Um, yeah, it's being able to kind of take a step back and being able to identify this is where I am today. This is the kind of vision of what I want to achieve. And I'm going to work over a long, sustained period of time to, to achieving that. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm really grateful for your time. I hope it's, you know, I hope you've enjoyed it. And I think. You know, I, I look forward to, you know, ne- this time next year, brothers, we'll be seeing you with, you know, is it 10 Bentleys this time or, you know, what's what's the game plan? <laughs> it's funny, people like, they do saying the thing about the car and again, it, it, it is mad, but a lot of it, I mean, the thing that people need to understand with wealth, there's, there's a lot of money out there. Someone says it's not, there's never a lack of money. Hmm. It's a lack of people tapping into it or it's a lack of thinking big enough. Yeah. So, my thing is that I I want to buy a Rolls Royce. As, as crazy as that sounds, I'm going to do that. I'm I look I, I look for, I look forward to coming you picking me up in that one. <laughs> pick you up in the Rolls Royce. That's my plan. And again, it's it, again it, people be ah whatever fuck off. It's like bro, that's that's what I want to do. After that, I might buy a bicycle. Yeah. But it's about doing what you want to do. Life by design. How does it look? I want to work hard enough to be able to do that. Yeah. Because yeah. I because because that's because I've worked hard enough to do it. Enough so now, it might be now's the time. Let's fucking make it happen. Let's do Let's this. Happen, You're there. <laughs> All right. Mr. Shaq Breaker, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Uh, and I'll uh, inevitably talk to you soon. Um, I'll put your details on the um, on, on the description for obviously people to come and, come and visit you. Have you got a website as well? Do you have a website that you run? Yeah, my business is called The Property Shack. So it's just literally yeah. The Property and Shack, S-H-A-C-K. Okay, and if it, obviously if anyone wants to reach out to you, you know, for a bit of inspiration or whatever, I'm sure you'll field any, any always questions. Always open, always open. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, thanks, bro. Nice thanks, one. Bro. Cheers. Cool. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Growth Show with Matt Lindsay. Please like our podcast and subscribe today.